This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. What is that? I saw it alive and shoot! Approximately seven hours ago, something attacked the city. Now let's have it, Steve. What about this monster story of yours? Well, it's big and terrible. listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Brooks and Greg. Hey, everybody. Yes, indeed, we have some intense monster tutorials for you tonight. Some monstrous advice for a monster attack. Because, as is demonstrated by the true-to-life documentary, The Real Life Story of Cloverfield, monsters do attack. It happens. I think also, since everything we say on the show is true... (laughs) I think this will be good. It straight up happens. The, yeah, I mean, nothing we've said would happen hasn't come to pass. They're going to call us prophets one day. They're going to say, TV ate my dinner, foretold it all. Oracles. Yeah, or prescient, as as Brooks likes to say. It's very prescient. That's a good word. Is that how you say it? I always thought it was prescient. You said prescient. I've heard you speak the word as that. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I just that's what it's like. It's like the spirit takes over and then there, there's a show. I'm pretty sure I'm speaking in tongues <laughs> sometimes. When I listen to the show, I'm like, did I say that? I'm pretty sure I just turn my brain off completely before I do the show. Maybe I shouldn't be watching TV while playing a video game while doing the show. I don't do that. I'm kidding. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't just do it during rage blackouts. So we do have that coming up for you, and that'll be fun. Before we get into that, I want to discuss a, a different kind of survival thing. I finally saw the latest Resident Evil movie. I guess it's called Evolution or Extinction or something. I can never remember. The names on these movies are so generic now that I can't remember. Is it, how about just the recrappening? Yeah, it's the third in the trilogy. I didn't even realize it was supposed to be a trilogy, but now that everything's a trilogy. Every time there's three movies, they call it a trilogy. It's like it wasn't a trilogy when they started, but they decided to make a trilogy when lots of money you know, came in. Yeah, usually you would imagine a trilogy would mean they meant to make three all along. What do you call two movies? Like a duology? What would four movies be? A quadrology? Do they have these things? A duplicity. Well, there's, there is a quadrilogy, yeah. Four movies is a franchise. Is that The Godfather, I guess? Yeah, exactly. Like like Lethal Weapon. <laughs> That's called a tent pole. At any rate, I didn't realize till I, I was watching it and saw the credits that uh, Russell Mulcahy directed it. So that was kind of interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't really tell, though. How come he (laughs) hasn't really scored since Highlander either? Yeah, it's like like I I couldn't see anything in it that I'm like, oh, wow, now, yeah, that's why it was so awesome. Yeah, because I'm okay. (laughs) Hey, man, he he directed the Dale Earnhardt biopic for for ESPN. (laughs) Did he really? Yeah, for ESPN (laughs) Films. I did not know that. Man. Starring Barry Pepper as Dale Earnhardt. I think you'll enjoy this one, Sean. I know Greg's not into the the zombie thing, so he probably won't get a kick out of it. But you'll enjoy this because this is completely Mad Max meets zombie movies. <laughs> so much so that it's like literally Mad Max. I also like the, the short pants with the thigh highs. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be in the desert fighting zombies, you want short pants and thigh highs. Yeah, it never hurts to have Mila in your movie. No, that's true. And they've got that chick from Heroes, too, the, the blonde girl. Oh, really? Uh, that has multiple personalities. Yeah, she's Oh, her. Allie Larder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, man, 
it's it's such a Mad Max ripoff that even in the behind the scenes I watch, you're like, we tried to take it kind of in a Mad Max direction. Like, take it in that direction. You took it from it completely. What are you talking about? Or they actually had to fight them in in Thunderdome. I'm pretty sure you, you use CG to superimpose Mila over Mel Gibson in some of these scenes. In the wheel, raggedy man. Yeah. Aren't we a pair? But, um, <laughs> Aren't we a pair? Who wouldn't love Tina Turner? But all of a sudden, Mila's character has psychic powers. I mean, I can't remember if she did in the second one or not, but she's psychic. Like, she's telekinetic now. Just like Dolomite, as the franchise franchise continues, they just start developing magical powers. Like Dolomite 2, he just gets this sort of superhuman tornado fast speed motion. For no reason at all. (laughs) And then in the Dolomite explosion, apparently he went to Africa and learned how to shoot lightning bolts at people. Motherland Africa. That's awesome. (laughs) I like in Dolomite 2 when it opens, the opening scene is him like wearing this sequin covered cape. (laughs) And it's got the credits written on it. He's just waving it around. That's good stuff. That is awesome. I guess that's a trilogy too. Then, if you're going to consider, uh, it. wouldn't it be great if they came back and said Rudy Ray Moore returns to finish the trilogy? <laughs> that's how they should market the it. The Dolomite trilogy. Finally, I get to see the end of the Dolomite story. I get to see it how it yeah. how it turns out. At any rate, I saw that. It was fun. So I I think you should check it out. It's not very good, but it it's interesting. It's not scary at all. You know, the first one was pretty scary. I think the first one was trying to be scary, but it wasn't scary. And after that, they were just like, let's go a different way. And then it, they were trying to make them action movies. I kind of thought it was. I thought it had some good some good stuff in it, Sur- surprisingly so. Of course, I had gone into it thinking, this is a video game movie. It's going to be awful. And it, it turned out okay. And then the other two were, were more or less, yeah, whatever. Maybe uh, my my opinions have been stunted by having seen things that are actually good. <laughs> yeah. Well, having a having taste is is always a, a handicap yeah, when you're watching horror probably, movies. Probably, probably, yeah, exactly. You're limiting yourself pretty severely if you have standards. Probably got held back by the standard issue. It always comes down to that. I think that's my problem. Is I have standards. Yeah, see, he he has standards to the point where he won't even watch any of them. Did you like Cloverfield? Sean saw it. I've seen it. Greg hasn't seen it yet. He's going to. Yes, I will see it. He's not going to have to. We're going to dissect it. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Cloverfield is Department of Defense video. They really do play. the. the it's the Blair Witch. It's actually very clever because when they did Blair Witch, you thought, well, that's the beginning and the end of that concept. But someone did blow the dust off the idea. I'm like, what if you did this, but instead of making a $50 movie out of it, it was like a $50 million huge budget movie in the same style. And that's what Cloverfield was. I was very impressed with Cloverfield. And plus, the the story, you know, it follows all the conventions, but in a fun way. And they're not they're not grotesquely stupid about it. No. I enjoyed it a lot, too. Some of the comic relief, which was fun, was a little too light, I think, for the situation sometimes, even though they were funny. The guy, HUD, or whatever that was holding the camera, he was funny. But at the same time, I'm like, come on, man. I don't think you'd be joking this much in this situation. Well, I don't know. I think that there, there's a true there's a true element to that that you would because, you know, if it, things are that bad, you have to keep yourself alive. You know, you have to sort of keep your mind off of it. Another thing about it that that kind of bothered me is it's it's Department of Defense video. Supposedly they find the camera and they just show it uncut. But I'm pretty sure they'd have cut a lot of that stuff at the beginning off before the attack happened. So it's like 20 minutes of this, you know, you get to meet these people, you get to know them and stuff. I'm like, I don't think they'd care about that. That's dramatic license that you have to sort of forgive. I do like that they tried throughout the whole movie to act like that was the 
the unedited tape from start to finish, even to the point where in order to sort of establish flashbacks of his relationship with the girl, sometimes the tape would cut out and you'd see what they were taping over. And it was like the week before or whatever with him and the girl. I thought that was, that was kind of neat yeah. the way it played out artistically. So I thought, you know, you have to forgive some of that kind of stuff. And this, the, a lot of the stuff that happens because it's a monster disaster movie is completely unbelievable. Did you see uh, last week I was talking about, and uh, it didn't make it into the show, but I was discussing how 9-11 obviously affected the opening scenes of that movie, the the initial attack. Some of the footage you see on that is ripped straight out of well, newsreel. I think what you were talking about is kind of sadly true in that now they know what it would look like, that level of devastation. We actually historically know. That's exactly why I want to see it. I mean, because I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like from that perspective, because I'm, I, I've noticed like, you know, in commercials, a lot of things these days, they're doing a lot of this stuff with special effects on video. And video, in my mind, has kind of a, you know, kind of a chromey look to it. You know, it looks more yeah. photorealistic than film. You know, film has a kind of a flat look to it compared to... I think to, this movie is shot on film. Yeah, it doesn't really look like video. They're, they're pretending it's on video, but the the quality of it it looks like film. It looks. I don't think they shot it on digital at all. Oh it really? I That's mean, a shame because I mean I think to me it would have been a lot more scary. Oh, I agree. If, uh, uh, had had it looked like video, because I mean to me to see that incredible kind of stuff on video it really makes it look like it's spontaneous. Yeah, it makes it look real. And, and well, I think they they made a decision that you're not going to go to the big screen and actually see, you know, like static and pixelation and stuff like that. I mean, it, there's production quality to it, but I don't think it breaks the illusion. You know, obviously, if you had a – I don't care how nice your camcorder is, you wouldn't get the kind of sound like that they're getting, and you wouldn't get the kind of light adjustment and focus. Oh, no doubt. And you wouldn't get a battery that lasts for like 36 hours. Yeah, that's what made Blair Witch believable, that it really was them running around with like, you know, high eight or whatever and, and a 16 millimeter film camera. I do think they showed the monster a little too much. I, I, I understand these guys were running around that thing in circles trying to get to the girl or whatever, but still. Well, they, it is fun, though, that they sh- – I do think they – they never show all of it completely, so it, it, there it, it, there doesn't seem to be a moment where you can tell completely everything about it. But one thing we were talking about that I think worked, even though you know they showed the monster, one thing that worked was because of the perspective that it shot from, you never really get to find out what is going on, like where it came from. They don't explain what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, not and at all. That is so helpful because every time they do in a movie, it's stupid. So getting to see high in the scenes and the between the scenes of just people trying to get away from this thing, they don't have to bother to to explain where it came from. And it's much more powerful because it really is like, good Lord, like if that really happened to you. It innovated the uh, monster thing a little bit with its little spawn creatures and all of that. I've never seen that in a monster movie before. Usually it's just the monster. Well, that's one thing that makes it because you really are like, why don't they just do something like, well, let's not go too deep into that because we have a list. Yeah. And some of it, Cloverfield actually does play into some of that. That scenario makes our survival list that much harder because Cloverfield was just a hell on earth scenario for all the people involved. <laughs> it's just like no safe haven of any kind anywhere. It's a hot mess. Well, let's get into this list. I think Greg's going to start us off because he has a, this is the most general of the tips. This is the tip that is probably the, the, the most wise, if, if possible. Yes, and probably the most obvious too, but but number one, survival tip number one is to just not be there. That's Miyagi-Do style. <laughs> right. Best defense, no be there. Not be there. But uh, you, you may think, well, duh. 
but you know, I mean, sometimes you might find it's kind of hard to, to avoid the scenario of the giant monster because your work life or your, your, your social life may take you to such places like that. So, uh, you know, of course, large cities, particularly New York and Tokyo. Yes. And, um, but, you know, other places that you might not think about are uh, places like nuclear plants, water treatment facilities, uh, secret military installations, scientific research centers. I would live in a city no one's ever heard of. I would say in conjunction to this, that you should always keep your eyes on either A, the ocean, or B, the skies. Because every monster of any significance that I've ever seen has come from either the ocean or space. And every now and then they might come out of like a cave or something. Well, that's because monsters are big. I'm just saying. There have been things that came out of the ground, but you don't usually see the big monsters come out of the ground. In Cloverfield, it comes out of the ocean, you know, and all of the Godzilla, of course, comes out of the ocean. They're pretty sure it does. You don't know for certain. Well, you just know the ocean is where it goes down first. It's it's implied pretty strongly because... uh, Initially, it's a ship that gets capsized or whatever they say. That's the first thing that happens. Yeah, and I think they would have noticed if, if it began with a giant monster impact. Yeah, If yeah. that were the way the movie started. So, okay, it came out of the sea. So don't be there. <laughs> and if you have to be there, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open for falling stars, meteors, always bad news. I've yet to see a meteor that's not bad news. Yeah, so just try to live somewhere where there's no sea or sky. Usually, if you're avoiding big monsters, I would try to stay away from cities people have heard of. Because yeah. nobody builds a monster or sends a monster because it's a big it's a big monster. You're not gonna like you're not gonna put it in a little venue. You're not gonna see Godzilla attacking Des Moines. Yeah, you're not gonna see Van Halen playing the coffee house. You know, why are you <laughs> gonna build a giant monster to stomp on a tiny town? Tiny towns have their own rural monsters that are much more devious. Well, usually they're they're smaller but in greater number. Yeah, or it's one sort of big thing that is in a designated place that if you just don't go there, you're fine. Most folk monsters can be avoided because people say, oh, that's the haunted swamp. In in, in such situations, you should probably refer to our earlier episode where we deal with zombies and and other types. Yeah, for smaller or rural monsters, I really think the zombie survival guide, it will will help you yeah i was gonna say there's there's examples like feast that movie they're they're holed up in a desert in the middle of nowhere and they get attacked by a space monster so it does happen i guess yeah it does happen it is real it's not like a 200 foot tall monster so i guess for the purposes of this show we're talking about big ones but it's sort of like the difference between fighting a big guy and a little guy when you're when you're dealing with a monster the survival tips are a little bit different yeah, not to say that the giant monster survival guy won't help you, but if you really want to be trained and ready to go, you need to you need to go back and review that episode because uh, I think to for the best results, you should listen to every episode of this show because well, every one of them has life <laughs> tips that could that could keep you alive. We can't work it all into one hour. Don't jump a shark on skis. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a good one. That'll end your TV show and more than likely your life. All right. Tip number two. (laughs) I think that when the monster happens, if you're there already, you should probably avoid bridges and elevated trains. These are like sandcastles and snowmen to giant monsters. They just can't wait to knock them down. I've never seen this not be true. Stay away from skyscrapers because, man, they just just love knocking down skyscrapers. That's a pretty good just general disaster tip. Yeah, try to stay away from things that can get knocked down. Everyone in Cloverfield is being herded onto the Brooklyn Bridge, I guess it is, trying to get out of Manhattan. 
and you just know something bad's going to happen. And and I, I feel bad that none of them stop and go, man, we're kind of like, we're kind of vulnerable here. I don't know if I feel safe. That happens in I Am Legend too. The the military blows the bridges with a bunch of people on it. Oh, really? I think that's a nine eleven thing too, because that was a big when that they actually were did happen after yeah. 9-11. Yeah. And there, there actually were, and a little bit at Katrina too, except the other way around, they were actually, they, they were actually keeping, sending armed people out to stop people from getting But on. there's lots of unsafe situations like bridges and trains, things like that, that you just, you just don't want to be stuck with no way out when there's a 200 foot tall monster just randomly stepping down on things. Right. All right. Next step. <laughs> I would say on number two, consider this for a moment. Monsters, particularly the big ones, as opposed to something like, say, zombies or ice ages, which we've talked about in other episodes, these are generally temporary events, right? These aren't, like, going to go on for years. It's kind of something Cloverfield takes place in a day and then it's over. So why does everybody always run? If it were me, I think it might be a good idea to maybe find a safe place to hide like uh, like they sort of do in Cloverfield when they go into the subway and they end up in that room down there with all the vending machines and stuff. Or, if possible, a bank vault would be great. And just wait it out. You know, the monster's outside stomping on things. When he gets bored or he gets killed, it'll be over. Then you can come out and have all the spoils of everything, all the wallets everyone's dropped when they were running. <laughs> I like the way your head's at on that one. This only applies to... um. To big cities, of course, where the monsters are chasing the crowd. Not small things like uh, like Feast or The Host, stuff like that, where it's actually sniffing you out, trying to eat hunting people. But Yeah, where they can get into the places you can get into. Yeah, the problem yeah. with going underground... Well, now, I haven't seen Cloverfield, but apparently isn't there some kind of uh, something that covers that, too? Doesn't like people start going... Oh, yeah, Cloverfield is a total disaster scenario, because... Mm. Because there's, there's no place to go in Cloverfield because the monster is dripping tiny monsters while it's crushing the city. Yeah. So if you get too close to the monster, then these little weird things come try to bite you. But even then, you know, if you're in a secured bunker-like situation, they probably can't get in. You might be all right. Now, Cloverfield presents an, an additional caveat to this, though. And uh, my wife pointed this out to me when I was discussing it with her. I'm like, I just hide in a bank vault or something. Then it's like, yeah, but, you know, there is always that distinct possibility that the military is going to just nuke the city to get rid of this thing. And then you're you're going to be in a bad shape. Yep. So. Also brought up in Cloverfield. And this is Cloverfield's just like 28 weeks later that way, too. It's like if if it's too wide scale and 28 weeks later, also, when they they can no longer distinguish between the good guys and the bad guys, they just start shooting everybody. So that's a good thing to remember. I think that brings up something we discussed before the show is that not only do you have to avoid the monster, but you have to avoid the people trying to kill the monster. I mean, because whenever the giant monster comes to town, the military just goes, yeehaw. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'd be careful about going into bank vaults or underground because you got to imagine in a monster scenario, the city is getting leveled. If you get underground, you know, underground tunnels can collapse or at least the entrances can. Yeah, you could be safe inside a bank vault to use suffocate or starve. Well, it, it all depends on the size of the monster and the level of destruction. I, I'm assuming that, imagine you're in a Godzilla-like situation where he's just kind of passing through. He's not going around, I'm going to destroy everything I see. He's just like, well, I'm randomly knocking down some buildings as I walk through the city. In that case, it might be better instead of just trying to run and stay out from under his feet, just to find a place and let him pass. Well, I definitely say underground is better than overground if you're there, but if you have a choice, take to the sky. Oh, definitely. This would be a great time to know someone who owns a helipad, guys. 
It's <laughs> not only that I've seen not that many people survive these monster attacks at all, but the ones who do usually make it out in a helicopter. This happens in the movies all the time. It's not 100%, but usually the people 28 weeks later, uh, Day of the Dead, when they get away, it's helicopters. Even in Jurassic Park, helicopters come and get them. We are seeing more and more in movies that helicopters are the way to get out of any situation. Yeah, I can't think of something better unless they invent a jetpack. Helicopters are the thing. Cue the get to the chopper sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> get to the chopper! Get to the chopper. That, that's always true. That's always true. I guess Predator was a monster. He was a little one, but, but you know, same Predator thing. Predator was a monster. Get to the helicopter, they for God's nuked, sake. They nuked the jungle, and still a helicopter came and got him. Because he hid yeah. under a log. And if you're under a log, nuclear fallout can't get you. <laughs> Helicopters don't fare that well in Cloverfield, sadly. So No, but that's what I mean. Cloverfield shows you how you can do everything right and still not make it. Now, they don't do everything right because they go into the city and set out. That's the big problem right there. Yeah, they take too long to get on the helicopter, I think. Yeah, th- th- at that point, a helicopter has to come because nothing else will work. If you can get off on foot, that'd be better. That's That goes to that goes to the other rule. If you see people running, and this isn't just monsters. This is in any scenario. This is the Cedric the Entertainer survival tip. If you see people running, just run. Don't try to find out what's going on. Don't see why they're running. Don't go check things out. Don't stop to gawk at the awesome destruction or to figure out just exactly what's trying to eat you. Just run. (laughs) Usually the people that satisfactorily answer the question about what's after them gets the answer straight from the monster's mouth. Literally. (laughs) That that is a good point. That is actually probably why I would survive a monster movie. Because I would not be waiting around. If this happened in like Lower Manhattan, like in the, you know the nine eleven zone, I would be running north as fast as I possibly could. Yeah, but that's that's the problem. Is none of us are very athletic, so we like I'd be out for about a hundred feet, and then you'd stop and pant. But that's know? that's why you need that head start. <laughs> well, I'd find a car, I'd find a motorcycle or a bicycle or something, and I'd get out. That's exactly why that rule applies. Because if it comes down to you and and some other guy and the fastest one wins you don't want to be in that situation you want to be the first guy to run right away before everyone else when that guy's like like tom cruise in war of the worlds and they're all standing around the crater going what's going on like (laughs) let it eat them you just run because cloverfield's like that too where sometimes they stop like what is that oh my god oh my god just run you fool well war of the worlds is a good example of how that would be the only way that scenario wouldn't work would be you know Death race. Yeah. Well, you got to consider death race. By the time you see it, it could that could be too late. What if it's dripping little little monster things or or shooting death rays at people? What if looking at it melts your face? You don't have to know. You don't have to know what's at after you. We should add to this that it's never a bad idea to to keep a pair of sneakers handy, some Nikes or something, just in case. In this movie, the the girl, I swear she has pumps on until the very end of the movie. It's like really. Really? I know. That girl really, really, that girl impressed me to pieces. Because just in a prom dress and pumps the whole time, man. And she was, she was holding her own. That's the girl. And in, in that's probably my perfect woman, that girl in that yeah. movie. <laughs> Couldn't look good by running away from the monster. And, and the only one who survives. I don't think she does. But we'll discuss that later. I don't want to ruin it for Greg. <laughs> well, apparently I've deduced that everybody dies. <laughs> Yeah. I don't want to ruin it as to whether or not the hot girl makes it. <laughs> I don't want to give you any spoilers. I think she makes it. I say she makes it. Next tip, and this is pretty obvious. This actually applies to uh, most natural disaster movies, too. Something like uh, 
the day after tomorrow, it's today, tomorrow, yesterday, or whatever it's called. When global warming happens. Pay attention to animals. And uh, it's weird in, I guess, big cities, you don't see this as much, but if you're in the wilderness, definitely. But even in big cities, if you see like large flocks of birds or in, for example, Cloverfield, armies of rats, and they're all just frantically and seriously running full speed in one direction, not even looking at you, just going. It's a pretty good bet that there's something nasty on the way. Go with them, man. Fight yeah. or flight. This is this is it. If you see a bunch of things running, run with them. Hey, man, that was true in real life. Yeah, I mean, man. Not to bring it down or anything, but the tsunami footage. See those cows like on the high ground? I mean, they figured it out. They knew something was coming. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true, man. If you see the cows hauling ass. That's bad news. Because I've never seen a cow move at all. If you see a monster, don't rush towards it, trying to get that Pulitzer shot, as cool as it would be to have a Pulitzer shot. Definitely don't throw things at it as they do in the host. In the host, yeah. And they're just doing that to be to be curious. They weren't even doing it. They're like, hey, what is that? And they start throwing trash at it. <laughs> Let's chuck Maybe trash if I throw a beer it. can at it, it'll seem... And if you saw a grizzly bear in the woods, just for, for argument's sake, would you throw stuff at it? I don't think so. See what it is. I think some people would. I have actually seen something similar like You've that. You've seen people throw life. stuff at a bear? I've seen people get out of a car to take a picture of a bear. Oh my god! Oh, that, well, that those is are the true. people I'm talking to. Darwinistic. Those are the people yeah, I'm talking this, to. I hope some of you are listening then, because this could <laughs> save your life. This is good advice right here. Because in Cloverfield, the, one of the, the scenes that they really don't buy is where they see the rats running and they decide to run, and then for no reason they stop with all the lights out and start fiddling around with the camera, and then, like <laughs> until clearly you know they get the night vision on and they see a bunch of little things going. Argh! And just jump on them. And you're like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't care what that is. I can be faster than you in this situation. I want you to understand this right now. If you get curious one more time, I can be faster than you, and I don't care what happens to you. What's everybody's opinion on weapons? Should should you try to scrounge up a weapon in a situation like this? No, not in this scenario. This is, this is true with the giant robots and the giant monsters. Don't even bother. Yeah, we're talking 200-foot-tall monsters. You know, I don't think a rifle's going to help. It's like Godzilla. Yeah, if you're if you run past like a battalion of soldiers and they're all shooting rocket launches at this thing and it doesn't care. Now I will say if if I'm running from a monster and I come across a weapon mm-hmm. on a fallen soldier or something, I, I I'd probably grab it if it's not too heavy, just in case you run into some psychos or something that are trying to rape That's and pillage true. while it's going on. Cloverfield people are stealing TVs while the monsters wrecking the place. So you could be running into those guys. I mean if it's not if it's not going to be cumbersome, you don't want to carry something like a Gatling gun. or something. I mean, if it's something you can handle, no harm in taking it. You never know what you're going to run into. You might could use yeah. it to blow, like, if you had a shotgun, you could blow, you know, a lock off a door if you're stuck in a hallway or something. Exactly. Could, a handy. weapon is also a tool if it's a good one. You might need something to knock a door in. Like, exactly. I'd rather have an aluminum bat than nothing at all. A fireman's then, axe. You know, in, this, in Cloverfield, there's the little ones. You know, there might be a monster spawn that you could clock in the face with something. So so I would say it's not a bad idea, but I'm not going to say it's going to save you from the monster itself. Yeah, no a good, way. A, a good aluminum bat is an excellent weapon of choice. Oh, yeah. Most of the greatest weapons you already have in your house, man, you just grab a hammer. You could just ruin someone's whole world with a hammer. And, you know, in some scenarios, the, the human beings that created the monster might be around, you know, trying to round up the witnesses. A hammer would do a lot of damage to that guy. It's, or, you know, you might be able to use it to cripple someone to, to distract the monster. <laughs> or steal their car or something like that. <laughs> yeah, That's true. Yeah, exactly. you, you might have to pop a kneecap. 
you know, you, you know. <laughs> or just used a gun to make up scoot over. I'm commandeering this vehicle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always wanted to commandeer vehicle. When am I going to get my opportunity to commandeer vehicle? Particularly a, a helicopter, because look, chances are you don't know how to fly a helicopter. But if you come across a news copter and they're parked trying to reload their camera or something, you can come up with your shotgun and go, we're taking off. Or when you get there and they say they're too full or something, you know, a hammer might come in handy. You're like, I, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> exactly. You get room for one more or I'll, cl- I'll claw one of these guys out of here. Man, I could do a whole show on how a hammer is useful. But, <laughs> but whatever. Tools. Weapons may not come in as handy as just having tools. Yeah. I'm not real down with the hammer because you have to get in pretty close to be deadly with a hammer. But. Yeah, but what I like about it is its simplicity. The bludgeon, the bludgeon will always be useful. One of the rules also here is you don't want to depend too heavily on technology because the phone lines will be down, the roads will be too damaged to sustain vehicular traffic, the power will go out just as soon as the monster gets within two feet of the building, and your flashlight batteries will die seconds before you do. A hammer will never fail you. Guaranteed to work. If you can find a horse, that'd also be good. Because horses can get around. They know how to navigate difficult terrain. And cities always have horses. When they were running around, they saw a horse-drawn carriage in Cloverfield. If dude with the camera goes, see you guys, (laughs) jumped on that horse. (laughs) That movie would have ended completely different. But instead, they were like, whoa, that's weird, a horse. Yeah, you would have seen the footage of it. That is weird. And you'll see me take the, the tackle off that horse. <laughs> see you guys later. Later. <laughs> yeah, because the horse also had survival instincts that you might not have. Horses, man, they're not going to hang around while the little things are biting people. Well, that's true. That also goes along with the uh, you know keep an eye on animals kind of thing. Exactly. The horse has great instincts. You know, it's it's going to try to save save itself, and you're on its back. Hey, if it's, hey, if Luke had listened to the Tauntaun, he wouldn't have got smacked by the Wampa. Exactly. <laughs> Tauntaun was going, "It's cold, dude. <laughs> Go back." But that's a good rule. Also, carry a lighter. Like this is like the hammer rule. Like you can carry a flashlight with you. That's no problem. But carry a lighter because fire will always make light. And fire kills things. You can't kill some. If maybe if you had a mag light, you could. That could be a bludgeon. But you're not going to kill a monster with a flashlight unless it's like a gremlin or something. Yeah, I don't know how you'd kill it with a lighter either. You'd have to find something that you can ignite. Well, I mean, fire is an important element to well, have yeah, at your it's, disposal. It's a, it's a good start. I mean, if you found you know some kind yeah. of other you know flammable material, you know you could, uh, you know, you know set some gas cans on fire or, or something like that. Hey, they do that yeah, in exactly. Host. Yeah, they make these Molotov cocktails and kill the thing with. I know, the host. and it and it works. They, they, that's how they do it in the host. They could eat a stinger missile, but fire kills. Well, I don't think in this case you're really not thinking towards killing the monster. I just mean fire in a general sense is good to have. In this sense, I would say fire is a good thing to have at your disposal because there the power's going out. If you're crawling through the subway system, you don't want you don't want the night vision on your camera to be the only way <laughs> you can see the things that are trying to get you. I'd much rather have fire there. One of the things I liked about um, Cloverfield is that, for the most part, the power doesn't go out in the movie. They have power throughout the movie, except for a a couple isolated moments. And I was kind of surprised by that, because normally, when they're trying to be scary, they just make everything so dark you can't see anything. But to me, it's a lot scarier when you do see things. So what do these people do? Do they run to the monster, or or are they running away from the monster? The the essence of the story is there's a girl that the guy is in love with. She gets trapped on the other side of the city or other side of Manhattan 
the monster being between him and the girl, and he goes to rescue her because she's trapped. Well, she's basically at ground zero, and they oh. know it, and they know where Man. she is. So this is one of my rules because this – because what happens in the thing is, you know, small groups are good because you want to avoid, you want to avoid crowds. But having a group of people is usually better than just being by yourself. But you really want to avoid having group members that are prone to panic or who just wander away at inopportune moments. And that's what keeps <laughs> happening in Cloverfield, where they're like, they got a plan. They're like, wait, wait, hey, Rob, Rob, where you going, Rob, Rob? And he's yeah. just like, he's not even acknowledging. He's like, he's got to get. He breaks into like the Circuit City to get a new battery for his phone so he can call his girlfriend, and then he goes off to save her. It's like, dude, I get it. You're being gallant, but. While we're clearly following you for no real reason, could you at least try to acknowledge that we're also risking our lives every time? <laughs> Rob, where are you going? They're always having to wrangle this guy. Well, see, I have a real pro- I have a real problem with that because my wife and I are pretty practical people, <laughs> and we've actually kind of talked about this. So, you know, my wife and I work on opposite ends of the city. So, if anything ever happened, we don't try to go find the other person at the other person's place of work or wherever they may happen to be. You know, we we say, well, well, the girl, the girl was trapped. She calls him and tells him she's trapped. I mean, she can't meet him in a safe place or something. This is we covered this. We covered this in the survival episode. When it goes down, when the stuff goes down, we talked about you. You have a plan beforehand, and this is this is actually practical in a disaster situation. You have a rendezvous point. You have a meeting place, not in the city, that kind of thing. And that will save your life because you never go back for any reason. Look to your left, then to your right. Anyone you didn't just put your eyes on is dead. If you try to find them, you will be too. (laughs) Anyone still alive but not with you is probably trying to make their way to safety too. They're sure as hell not poking through the rubble trying to make sure you're okay. Just meet up later. Yeah, your guy that wanders off, Leave him. He's going to die anyway. He doesn't have to take you with him. If he's not even going to acknowledge that he's wandering under the dragon's foot, leave him. (laughs) He's not going to make it. And definitely avoid the crowds. One of the things they do that I think is smart in Cloverfield is there's several times some large crowds are herding down the street and they take an alley. They go around. They don't stick with the crowd. I think that's smart. They try to move in that direction, but they don't stay with the biggest group. I mean, think like a monster. Think as if you are a monster. There's an enormous pile of M&Ms headed down Main Street. Okay? And there's only one or two, maybe three, headed down Fifth Street. Which street if are you going to take if you're the monster? You're going to take Main Street. You're not going to go chasing down two or three cookies over there when there's a, a whole bag of Oreos right in front of you. Unless it's personal. Exactly. Unless you've done something to piss off the monster. Well, that's, yeah. So that's why fighting is out, too. You don't want to be noticed by the monster at all. Like, that's the point. Noticed by the monster means dead. That's true in Cloverfield, too. Like, as soon as it sees you, it is over because you can't run faster than it. You can't hide after it's already seen you because there's nowhere you can go. Don't be noticed. Don't be there. That's that's Craig rule number one, (laughs) Miyagi-Do defense. Not be there. Going back to the thing he was saying about horses. I know, I know this is not this is much like helicopters and it's like oh yeah that'd be great if it was possible but I say dirt bikes they've got great mileage you can probably go 500 miles in one tank of gas on one of those things they're able to climb rough terrain which would include torn up city streets knocked over buildings stuff like that they're super fast and maneuverable if they had dirt bikes they'd have been out of the city a lot faster you know that's deep impact 
when when the when the meteorites hit in deep impact, he's on a dirt bike. He lives. Exactly. Yeah, that's how he survives. They're like, take my daughter. I know. <laughs> take my daughter and the dirt bike. I'll stand here and die. In reality, they'd have knocked him <laughs> off that bike and go, come on, know, young man. daughter. Sorry. They'd knock the kid <laughs> off, grab the daughter, and rid You're him. not family. You're out of here. No, more like they're throwing <laughs> the daughter to him. Here, take her, and just run off by themselves on the dirt bike. Yeah, exactly. Good luck, kids. I can make another one. You know what was weird about that movie is like when in the tidal wave scene, there's like one scene where there's a the wave is coming and there's a shot. There's like a guy sitting there reading a newspaper. Oh, that he doesn't notice. <laughs> he's just reading a newspaper, and then all of a sudden, this wave just comes right over. You know, and yeah, I remember out. that. That I, well, that's just for fun. <laughs> I don't think they're trying to be super realistic in that one. In Cloverfield, I admired how they tried to be very realistic and how everyone was behaving. There was no. Except for the comic relief moments with the guy just making funny statements, which were funny. You know, they never fell flat. The jokes worked. But um, the guy was funny in Cloverfield because he had a. Uh, he kind of sounds like Jason Lee. He has that sort of fun cadence yeah. to his voice, He's and like, it's I, important that they found it. a guy who sounded, you know, real interesting and fun and had character and personality to his voice because you almost never see him in the movie. He's the guy holding the camera. So he almost has to be the one talking. Otherwise, that character is just not even around. Yeah. And without having him talk, there's no explanation for why someone is fully documenting every moment of this tragedy. Yeah, they do a really great job of explaining that, too. There's a couple times they're like, what are you doing with that camera, man? And he's like, I've got to document this. People are going to want to know and stuff, which is true. You know, in real life, you would say, what are you doing with that camera? And it's actually more believable than in Blair Witch. Yeah, exactly. In Blair Witch, it kind of did stretch your suspension of disbelief because, like, why are they filming here? But if you were in the middle of something like Cloverfield, and this is proven, 9-11 also proved this. Like, when in the scene where the, the Statue of Liberty head, like, crashes into the street, it's not just him filming there's like a bunch of people with their little yeah, camera phones. phones and everything. Yeah. And that's completely true. Like we've seen that. That happens. Yeah. Like that's... almost all documentation of major events that we have now comes from personally shot home footage. Yeah. That's just the beauty and the curse of, of the new world. Yeah. Where it wavers is like how with that camera holds up. I w- it's a good thing they never say what model camera that is because they make it look like a super camera. No doubt. Not only is it the battery and all the all the features – hold up well it picks up the entire picture all the sound and everything and but it also like crashes a million times and they find it in a pile of rubble and it's still fine after like a nuclear blast yeah yeah well they're probably not thinking that people are going to really analyze it to that level again they're not trying to be realistic they're trying to be entertaining so there's well, a you don't want to break the mood though like there are moments in cloverfield that aren't realistic you know, lots of them, because the whole thing is, is is an out there sort of premise. But I think the mood never breaks character, and that's the difference. Like, it never breaks the illusion. Like, and, and that, again, I think really makes it work how, you know, the camera is constantly running. And there's even a moment where he's got the monster, like a glimmer of the monster on tape, and the movie stops where you can see where they backed it up to look at the tape. Yeah, and then sort yeah. of got it back to the point where it kind of flickers <laughs> I think little things like that really help because, you know, if you do shoot movies or whatever, like, I mean, home movies, then you got those. They, they shot it really well where they're just talking about something and then it cuts and then they're doing something else. Because when you shoot like just raw home movies, that's all it is. So I thought they I really did think they did a good job. I was impressed because it was everything I expected that it would be. But I say that in a good way because I was expecting that it, it could be dumb. You know, it's like, well, if this thing's either going to be really cool or it's just going to be nothing, nothing yeah. at all. 
I enjoyed it a lot. In fact, now that we're talking about it, I realize I enjoyed it more than I thought because I'm like, man, I kind of want to see it again. That was a good movie. <laughs> I was very impressed with it. I really was. I, I, I enjoyed it a great deal. I, I wholeheartedly would recommend it to people, especially if you, you know, if you don't like monster movie kind of things, then probably not. But even so, they, this one might catch your fancy because I really do think that what makes it work besides them not besides them not revealing too much because that's not the point of view of the story, but also being boots on the ground in a situation like that really does add an element of suspense that you don't see in other big budget movies like that. Like the day after tomorrow, you don't care. Everything is blowing to pieces and there's not there's not even the inkling of reality. Yeah. And you don't feel for any of the people in it. No, it's stupid. You don't feel that they're really dying. Just a a, a random array of special effects shots. But in this, by shooting it this way, it made it not look like special effects because it really looked like they were catching something amazing on video. It's a pretty decent little love story, too, really. It's, it's, It's sweet, I think, that the way he goes back for her, just mainly because she didn't know that he loved her or whatever. I found that touching. And it could have been really, really cheesy. Yeah. And he sacrificed every single one of his friends. That's not a good survival tip, though. You're misleading people. I, well, that's I the, know, but I'm <laughs> just saying it makes the movie work, though. Well, that's that's true. And I think Cloverfield proves our thesis because they would all of them be alive. Yeah, see, I mean, they, they did what they did, and that's sweet. It made the movie more human, but at the same time, yeah, they're, they're, they didn't Dead. make it out. Yeah, I want you <laughs> so. to tell, I, I, I know in the, in the show we don't go over this. We don't, we don't give hero tips. I wholeheartedly support heroic people. Go for it. But just know what you're getting into. When you violate these rules, you're probably going to die. So don't do the heroic things if you want to live. Do the heroic things because that's, you know, you want to do what you can to help people. And maybe you'll help one of them and then you'll die. But that's it. If you want to live, you follow these tips. Or keep the people with you alive. See, one thing that bothers me is like this guy is sort of heroic in Cloverfield because he goes to tell this girl that he loves her. But he ends up dragging all of his friends with him because they're not going to leave him to do this bonehead thing on his own. Well, see, that that's what bugs me. And I hate movies that are like that. There's another movie that was particularly bad about this. It's not a disaster movie. But it was a movie called Vertical Limit. I don't know if you've ever saw it. Yeah, the Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. The one. And uh, I mean, uh, his his sister climbs K2. Yeah, and he's going to save his sister. And then the, the, the team's dying left and, and right. Uh, and nobody makes it. <laughs> but him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they I mean, follow him of their own free will. He doesn't tell them to follow him in, in Cloverfield. No, but because he goes back, they're his friends. They're going to go with him, you know. I didn't understand and, why that one girl went with them because she she like claimed she barely knew these people and all this stuff. I I don't know. I think I, I'm I, not sure. I, I would I would chalk that up to shock when you're with a group of people, you know, you sort of bond with them in a, in a you know a traumatic situation. Yeah, it, it, it would be harder to walk away not knowing you know not knowing if that path would lead you. It worked out particularly bad for her though. That was kind of nasty. It, it's sort of a thesis on not trying to be good to people at all because she gets bitten because she tries to save the one, and then you know she's only there because they're doing something dumb. Yeah, sad that that's the lesson of the movie. <laughs> like, don't help people. Was she the Hudson of the group? Is that the way it was? Game over, man. We're game over. <laughs> no, she was cool the whole time. No. But. Actually, though, the guy the guy holding the camera's name is Hudson. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's true. HUD. I wonder if that's uh, intentional. And he's sort of. And I wonder if that that's an homage. Now that you say it, because they don't, he don't they don't call him Hudson. They call him HUD. It's only at the very end that they say his full name was Hudson. I wonder. And he is sort of the. He's not annoying about it, but he is the one who's always like, "Dude, this is crazy." 
<laughs> I like when he calls it. They're like, "What is that?" He's like, it, "It's a terrible yeah. thing." And they run into the stairwell, and it's something else. He's like, "That's a, a totally another terrible thing." Like <laughs> just everywhere. But he's the Hudson in the sense that at every step, he's like, "This is really dumb. We shouldn't be doing this." Well, I have just one last tip, and uh, maybe we can conjure up some more. But my last one was just simply, and this this goes to to what Greg was saying initially with hanging out with research centers and military testing sites, stuff like that. Beware of scientists because unless this thing comes out of some some trench in the ocean or from space, scientists are almost always responsible for the monster's arrival. But I would also say if the monster has already arrived and you are unable to escape, you're stuck. See if you can buddy up with some kind of good-hearted scientist, because they're always the ones that uh, come up with a way to defeat the monster. Military never does it. Well, but the scientists and the military seem to always get together on the fact that instead of stopping the monster, they want to try to harness it. There's always, like, that one scientist that wants to weaponize it. Well, uh, that's why I say the good-hearted scientist. Go with the good yeah. guy, not the evil guys that are like, we can profit from this. We'll make millions in war research. No, no. I'm talking about the guy that's, like, trying to help people find him yep. and if movies are to believe that he'll have already established himself as speaking against it it's like i told you this would happen yeah that's the guy you want yeah that's usually how the movie opens so he's like doing a symposium of you know yeah why genetic manipulation is wrong or something you know and then exactly if you have access to information like if the internet still exists when this is going down and there's time to be maybe you could see if if this guy was against it all along or you find out he was part of project apocalypto <laughs> yeah, go go find that dude because he he'll he'll know it. he'll at least have more knowledge than you do about what's going on if nothing else. Either that, or you could go find the evil scientist, the real you know death destroyer of worlds, grab him and drag his ass along with you, and you know slap him around a little bit every once in a while to get information that could save your life. I can't think of where that scenario has played out well in a movie before, though. He always seems to turn on them and get everyone killed anyway. Oh, yeah. It's just like we were talking about aliens with Hudson. That's the, uh, the uh, what's his name? Burke. Burke. Burke is the one. Burke. Yeah. yeah. He never, yeah. even though hell is breaking loose all around him, Burke never stops thinking about how he's going to make money off of it. That's what exactly. the evil scientists are. You don't want to be with those guys. It's almost admirable that way. They just completely detach. Because they're living in a fantasy world. That new Resident Evil I just saw is the same thing. There's this one scientist guy that's messing around with, with the uh, zombies trying to genetically engineer them. And you can guess how that's going to turn out. But even when it's <laughs> yeah. happening, even when it's happening, he, he doesn't stop. He's like he's removed from reality. He's like, it's under control. It's not a problem. I have control of this situation as they're eating on him and stuff, you know? I think that that is the realistic element of movies like that because I think that's precisely what happens in the world. Most scientists don't mean to ruin the earth. <laughs> Hope. Thank God <laughs> They for almost that. never mean for it to be like the world's most destructive power. They always think somehow, like in Deep Blue Seas, like, I'm trying to cure Alzheimer. What if I make super genius sharks? Like, Who knew? You never, you never thought that through. There wasn't another way to do it. You couldn't culture a shark brain in a petri dish. You actually had to do that in the open ocean. Like you couldn't do that, like at Sea World or something. One of the best death scenes ever in that movie, though. Oh yeah, that that makes the whole movie worthwhile. Yeah, because you almost you kind of know it's going to happen, but it still is awesome. It's like the first thing we're going to do: sail off this pool. <laughs> shark jumps out Donk. that's pretty awesome and it wouldn't have worked at all if it weren't Sam Jackson that's just what made it when you're like oh finally someone's taking over this movie 
<laughs> Sam Jackson <laughs> will not rest until he's been eaten by everything. Let me know mm-hmm. how this turns out when a monster attacks. So if you guys are out there listening and, and yeah. you follow this advice and survive, I, I, I'd I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that's right, because you know why? I'm not going to be there. I know, because we're going to be following this. <laughs> Don't think this lightly, man. People are seeing UFOs around here these days. I mean, it's getting a little crazy. No kidding. It's in the news. Real UFO stories. Well, we make fun, but there are some good tips here in a real disaster. Like, there is some stuff, the common sense kind of stuff, or should be common sense kind of stuff. You know, I really think that if you – this is where I think movies are important, and I hope in our in our way we try to be with our show is they, they, they give you these extreme examples, but there are lessons to be learned. Yeah, they – Like if you watch Cloverfield, there's lots of points in no return that you see like, oh, man, if they, they might still be alive if they hadn't done – if they didn't do that. And it gets you thinking. That's what's fun about them. They make you think, what would I do in that situation? And I think that's the cool thing about that kind Urban of Urban warfare. That's what we used to say in college all the time. If it went down today, would you be ready? You know? I think that that's part of project planning in your own life. Like, if you're able to think of these worst-case scenarios, hopefully that, that makes you a little bit more diligent in plotting out the more mundane parts of your life, too, you know? Have I left the house with yeah. the right stuff? We're all planning for monster attacks, but we have no 401ks. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, a disaster plan. Like, I'm ready for the monster. Are you ready for retirement? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm actually, I have a 401k now, so I'm actually, in my life as I grow up, getting more prepared for, for the, real, the reality that I will live. <laughs> I've started saving water because Atlanta's going dry. So we have these smaller disasters that happen, these less dramatic yeah. disasters, but they do but happen. I think movies and, and stuff like that, though, that it, when when you've seen that in a movie, you're like, we better be careful because this could go, this could go Mad Max. Yeah, you know, you've seen the extreme example. You're like, oh man, I better start. I better keep a little water. Just like in Resident Evil, man. You know, something we need to do. We need to do a post-apocalyptic one too because. Resident Evil and Mad Max, they both have the exact same vehicles in them, these big, huge trucks and, and semis that have fences welded to the windshield to keep people. How do you learn how to do that? I don't know how to do that. Who knows how to put spikes on a tire? Really? You see it in movies, but like, do you know how to do that? I know. All this, this A-team technology that we don't know. Like, I wouldn't know how to make a bus into a yeah, tank. Welding armor onto a van. Who knows how to do that? I know they do that in, in the, Dawn of the Dead is the worst. Yeah. Because they're just trapped in a mall and they're just regular people, but somehow they make like this impenetrable bus disaster vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that is true. They get <laughs> the know? fencing on it and all that. Yeah. Fully A team and they have like slits in the side where they can just put a chainsaw out there. I mean, that's cool, but man, I've been I've been painting my guest bedroom for four days. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I can do that. But I'm just saying, like but you guys buckled down and made a bus. We didn't go to the right vocational school to learn how to do this stuff, I guess. <laughs> well, these guys are all professionals. So I guess we could call you if we needed a nice shade of color for the bunker. Yeah, I'll decorate the bunker. <laughs> or if you need some shelves, I can do that. I'm in charge of basic woodworking. <laughs> but when you guys want to build a van, you let me know how that turns out. I couldn't even get the oxygen sensor out of my car the other day. See, I, I don't even know what an oxygen sensor is. So. <laughs> exactly. Oxygen sensor. That's my nose, right? Well, me and Tommy spent an hour one time trying to change a windshield wiper blade on my car. Yeah, for real. That's oh, amazing. I have slung a windshield wiper blade in anger before because I couldn't get it on. 
I'm telling you, and the instructions are always wrong because they come with pieces you don't need because they're like universal or whatever. So sometimes, depending on the kind of car, it may just snap on. And you're like, well, then what is this? Then what is this piece? Well, how are we ever going to me- weld fencing to a vehicle if we can't even change the windshield wiper? That's what I mean. We're not even going to be able to, when, when it goes down, we're not even going to be able to drive in the rain. <laughs> when left to our, devi- our own devices, we're not even going to be able to leave the house in the rain. Uh, no way, man. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Do we know how to siphon gas out of a, an empty tank? I don't think so. Do you know how to hotwire a car? We're going to make it. No way. Because we know enough to run. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, we're talking about situations where the running is over post-apocalyptic i'm not sure that we'll have any good tips from the post-apocalyptic show for this reason i don't i don't know if we're prepared for that so basically learn how to do a bunch of stuff that we don't know how to do we might have to get some experts in on that one we might have i to. know i don't even know how to research this one i've, I've read books <laughs> on how to fight robots <laughs> i'm ready for that i had an addendum that i wanted to make for a couple of things i wanted to mention all right uh, a retraction I've been meaning to make since we did the Knight Rider episode. I said that the foundation that they were in uh, in Knight Rider didn't stand for anything. Like yeah. it was a dumb name. And I just never put this together. I was, I was listening to the, the show where they had the night, the team Knight Rider thing. Yeah. And they're, they're the foundation for law and government. It is, a, it is an acronym. It's a dumb one. FLG. F-L-A-G. Oh, law and government. Flag. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's not knight. Is that what it's called? Flag, then? I thought that knight would stand for something. Well, they never call it that, but what I was saying was the name of their foundation was just kind of loose and unstructured yeah. and didn't stand for anything, but I guess they did throw it together. The Foundation for Law and Government. It's like it's just dumb sound. All right, that's cool. Is that is that the only retraction? But I'm also mad that I have never mentioned throughout the whole... I've been running for president through our whole show. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's that going? Well, not well, since apparently I'm not advertising at all. I do show every week, and I haven't mentioned it. It's been going on for like over a year now. I guess you're running as an independent because you're not in any of the primaries. I'm running as a yeah. We're going for a whole write-in thing. So I want all forty of our fans to go to their local ballots, and uh, we'd be lucky if any one of our fans even votes. Statistically, probably two of them vote at all. Well, that's but- who I'm trying to draw in because I, I guarantee you, if enough people went and wrote in an alternate candidate, even if you just wrote your own name. Even if you didn't write my name, if enough people were doing write-ins, people would start to say, you know, maybe we're not giving people enough choices. <laughs> you know, if people would come in and write, rather write their own name and take time off of work and stand in line to write their name, then maybe we're not giving them enough choices. Yeah, does it have to be Coke or Pepsi? What if I want uh, RC? What if I want Mr. Pip? And I would make this vow to you also. If you voted for, for Gilberto in the election... <laughs> Then I would just be your president anyway. I don't have to win the whole thing. You just write yeah. me in and just write in and go, dear Mr. President, I'm having a problem with this. I may need your administrative <laughs> assistance. I would do it. You would automatically become part of the United Citizenry of Gilbertonia. Awesome. So you're looking for more of a revolution type of thing than actually. I think I would ready. rather have a movement than a revolution. That I think that's called secession. Aren't there laws against this? It's sedition. Sedition. Only despots need feared sedition. Only despots need fear sedition. Well, everybody, vote for Gilberto. A vote for Gilberto is a vote for victory. It's a vote for peace. You need a slogan. Yeah, I may I may try to come up with 
some kind of platform. I do have, I've got some ideas. I feel remiss. How about like a vote for Gilberto? It's a vote for me. (laughs) Well, I've got some, what's funny is people keep giving me slogans because I have on two separate issues. I have an anti-panda platform and I have, and I, and apparently sometimes. Anti-robot And I have an idea for melting the moon. All important issues. Um, you know. Look, there's there's reasons, but maybe I should articulate them better before we go into them here. <laughs> the, melt, the moon melting is important because there's ice on the moon, and I really think we can stop global warming that way. We need to. We'll do a whole episode about this at some point. We'll just do a special. Oh, we mini totally episode. should. It's because you know we got time. the The primaries when the primaries are over, people are going to think they only have two choices, and that's not true, America. That's not true at all. I'm excited about this. The moon pandas have it coming. That's Wilson's slogan for me. (laughs) (laughs) Moon pandas? I didn't realize we were having a moon panda problem. (laughs) My my prospective Secretary of State, Charlotte, wrote wrote me and said, uh, I'm going to vote for you because I really have no other choice. (laughs) I thought, well, there's another good slogan for us. (laughs) When you think about it, you really have no other choice. Vote for the man in the mask feedback at tv ate my dinner is the email okay i want you to send us slogans if you can think of one i want you to send us other tips that you think of that we didn't cover here because we will add them as an addendum in a future episode because i want people to i want people to be educated i want people to get and on I'm board sure there's plenty of things we didn't think of and also send us uh, just send us whatever you know it, i we'd love to hear from you feedback at tv ate my dinner is the email tv8mydinner.com is obviously the website you can go there and check out past episodes all the episodes are there uh download us through itunes i'd like to get more people doing that just search for us in the itunes store yeah because we could get i'd like our popularity rating in itunes to increase because then we might show up in their browser yeah so that that'd be something that we'd appreciate <laughs> you don't, like when your popularity is one they don't put you in the in the categories yeah darkcrazy.com is our mother site uh check that out yeah and you can get that's the official campaign headquarters for the gilberto campaign so you can get some more stuff buy some buttons and t-shirts got bumper stickers get on the ground floor on this and maybe he'll make you like secretary of the interior or something i know i'm just giving away positions i gave charlotte secretary of state because i passed her over for vice president (laughs) check out uh our youtube site our tv channel which is dark crazy TV at YouTube slash dark crazy YouTube.com slash dark crazy TV. And that's where you can see that one of my campaign ads is on there also. Yeah. He has an actual campaign ad. This is real deal. People, this is serious. Watch Gilberto conquers the dunes, which is my first and so far only campaign spot. And I guess that's about it. Can you think of anything else we need to mention to anybody? I think we've covered far more than is necessary. <laughs> All right. Well, we will talk to you next time. Uh, Thanks for listening. Until then, my name is Brooks. I'm Sean. And I'm Greg. Watch out for monsters. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but that, that time, time is, is finally near. <laughs> I never know the rest of the words. Oh, met Annie Dorian. I've lost spaceship. <laughs>